Welcome to CHN Radio, episode 99. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. You can follow me on Twitter at NUFC underscore Greg and this glorious podcast at CHN underscore radio. We have a, like a de-definition of jam-packed episode for you. Not only are we reviewing a glorious point against Manchester City, but we're also previewing our upcoming match against Sheffield United. Um, and I couldn't do this alone. So with me, the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. Yes, I am here, and it's a good day, you know? Newcastle had one of the most fun matches I've watched this season, and it was a good time, and we get to play again against a very good Sheffield team who I'm very intrigued by, and it's going to be fun. I'll be tweeting about it, and if you want to follow me on the Twitters, you can do so at Elijah underscore Newsome, and be sure to follow the podcast account at CHN underscore radio and the main account at Coming Home in UFC for all the latest and greatest Newcastle related tweets, news, gifs, laughs, memes, all of the above. We got them, baby. Hey, we in there. Um, we we are in there. And we out here. What all of Newcastle it. United thing are you thankful for? In this American Thanksgiving holiday season. What Newcastle-related thing am I thankful yes. for? Oh, man. Uh, that's that's actually um, that's pretty tough. I think I would say I'm thankful for um, Miguel Almiron's smile. Oh. Or, or St. Gucci Max's Twitter account. Yeah. What about you? Um... For me, it's Atletico Madrid's Javier Mankio. Oh, yes. Here's another one for you. DeAndre Yedlin's barber. Yeah. That guy. And just, he's good. Oh, and his dog Simba. Oh, yeah. Oh, his dog is a good dog. I also think his barber, she's good. I think. Oh. You think DeAndre Yedlin has a lady barber? I think so. It's either. She is the barber, or she owns the shop. It's one of the two. Oh, how do you know this? Where's this coming from? They actually from? did like a whole story about it, and they went to the barber shop with him and videotaped it and everything. It was last year. Oh, that's cool. There's a whole like, uh, thing about it. Is she black? No. That's crazy. No, I can't. His hair, like, I didn't know. I didn't know. No offense, Greg. I didn't know white people could cut black hair. Well, here we are. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, wow, I'm shocked. So, and and we're thankful for Simba, his dog. No, of course. Yeah, definitely. And Rafa's dogs. Yes. Even though he's no longer with us. Yes. Oh, by the way, they finished their season with a 2-0 win. And were they relegated? No. He immediately took them from, like, the relegation zone to, like, sixth. 
Oh, good for them. Um, actually, I thought I'd heard that they were struggling. Let me let me check. Here we go. It's Dylan something. Dion Dylan Yefang. Yaka Doodle Doo. Shout out to our Chinese. <laughs> um, they finished in ninth. Okay, which is there's sixteen teams. Nice. So that's not ba- that's mid table. That's yeah, that yeah. It, mid, so he went from finishing mid table to finishing mid table. Yeah. Do you think that? I mean, I know Rafa doesn't break his contracts, but if Rafa was offered, like, not the Newcastle job, um, but if he was offered like another Premier League job, would he take it? You know, you have to wonder with Arsenal right now. Yeah, Arsenal potentially Everton is another one. Yeah, I mean, pretty much with every opening, you have to wonder. Well, maybe not Watford. I mean, nobody thought he'd get come to Newcastle. But I think at least Newcastle. But that's one of those he's been there, done that, and also like there is a there's a there's a level of like you can return Newcastle to its former glory. I don't know what former glory you can really return Watford to. Their former glory is staying in the Premier League. Yeah, that's a survival. Congrats to Beijing Sinobu Kuan for finishing in second place um, and getting a AFC Champions League group stage qualification, as well as uh, Shanghai SIPG for getting the, oh. the playoff round to the Champions League for the AFC. And then congrats to the champions, uh, Guangzhou, Evergrande, Taobao. Okay. Uh, with 72 points, 23 wins, three draws, four losses. A plus 44 yeah. goal difference. Okay. And commiseries right. to uh, Shenzhen FC and Beijing Renhe for being relegated to the China League One. Oh. Yes. How many? I wonder how many league, how many teams they have in League One. I I can help with this. Oh, um, just a quick Wikipedia. This is what the listeners are here for. Um, that they all came for this. League One has just a healthy batch of eighteen teams. Oh, from all over the great nation of china okay let's get into some real also, stuff oh wait before we get into some real stuff just i did not realize this until i think squawka tweeted this out because i don't know if you guys i don't know i know, I know our fans knew about this um it is at the same time as newcastle the uh the the, the, the hostile revenge derby um at deportiva alves they played real madrid and hostile of course started uh that match and played well but I didn't realize because their goal scorer was Lucas Perez. I didn't know that he he was on the same team, which is just like the the most meme worthy team in La Liga is Hoslu and Lucas Perez leading your front line. Yeah. So that's that's all I had to say about that. Just shocking stuff for me. We're we're gonna we're gonna live tweet the one when he returns. Oh yeah. So. They have a fun team. I might pick this is a they have a lot of fun names on their team. <laughs> Wakaso. They're not. Wakaso. They're also not bad. So yeah, 
Cool. Yeah, my so we'll get FIFA team. into some anyway, yeah, club news now. Um, we got some FA Cup tie to talk about. Um, mm. We're in the third round, so it's coming. It's going to come right after the new year. Uh, we are traveling to Rochdale or Boston United. Boston United is in the National League North, I believe, the sixth oh. tier um, of English football, and Rochdale is in League One, uh, same as our uh, neighbor, Sunderland, the same league, uh, the League One, the third tier. We could have drew Sunderland. The third tier of um, English football. But the problem is we could have drawn Sunderland, but I'm pretty sure they were eliminated. Oh, so, rip them! So it's hard, it's hard to draw them when you know they're no longer in the competition. Well, you know, um, that's what happens yeah. when you suck. Yeah, when you suck, you don't advance to many. You don't advance to many competitions. Shout out to Roker Report for existing despite the fact that their team is a joke. So, yeah, they're not even in the top ten in League One right now. Hilarious. Yeah, and they're still like optimistic, like their fan base. Yeah, I don't understand it. They're like, oh, investment, and it's like every single they they have like, I don't know, I don't know what's worse, like getting let down by your club not getting sold, or your club getting sold to like a group that like doesn't have money, but said they had money, and then they're trying to figure out how to like do things like pay for players, and then they like then the sale may not. It's just. Their financial situation is also just not ideal. It's it's a mess. Yeah. Certainly is. Um, in some history for you, uh, we've never faced either team in a competitive fixture. <clears throat> I'm not surprised. I thought Boston was, like, the, I thought that was the New England Revolution. <laughs> they just, they just, like, snuck into the Boston FA United. Cup competition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They rebranded and it leaked. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's the news. So we're gonna play them. It's January fourth. I'm just looking. Yeah, yeah, the weekend of January fourth. Um, so that's gonna be between our New Year's Day match with Leicester City and a trip to Wolves. Following that, so it's gonna be sandwiched in between that. Um, yeah, but it should. I mean, that's gonna be like my dream draw because like i'm i'm happy we're not drawing another premier league side because we're actually going to be able to play a youth a youthful squad here yeah and that's my dream okay moving on next thing is fernandez doobie and shelby made cheers team of the week and every time Shearer oh. puts a newcastle player in there we have to mention it because it's true he's one of our own He's one of our own. Dubrovka was absolutely... We'll get into that later. Yo, he was snapping. Unreal. <laughs> like, he's just insane. And those... Greg, those, I was going to save this for questions. were oh, yeah. bangers. All, oh. all four of them were absolute bangers. Like, Dubrovka played on his head. Oh, yeah. L- Low-key, the first goal was the worst goal. Yeah, which is a good it goal was, in I mean, it. Games. I mean, it was a very good goal, like, well-placed. and It was, it was just definitely like, the worst goal. Yeah, it was just comparatively speaking, that's how good the goals yeah. were. We were talking about it at the office today. Yeah. 
you know, that's always great when Newcastle is now an office topic. So <laughs> shout out to us for making it in the States. And I'll, I have a question for you later. Okay. In the question section. So sounds good. I'll ask it then. Uh, but yeah. Um, next thing is apparently, according to sources, which we don't know what the sources are, um, we've, we've let teams know that we're, we'll sell Gale to you for a nice cold 15 mil. Yeah. Cool. Hey, and and as you know, I'm a big fan of this. Um, Newcastle definitely need to bring in another forward. Um, one who I don't think they need to take a project forward. They need to break their transfer rule and just get a guy who is a somewhat proven Premier League goal scorer. I mean, dare I say it, a guy like a Charlie Austin, who I believe was actually just sold in, in the summer, but someone of that caliber you can bring off the bench who you know can like provide a little bit of something because now it's just I mean everyone slags Joel Linton for his work rate or his just inability to you know not work rate but his inability to to convert chances or the inability for us to create chances and it's like I get it people aren't impressed with him and they want him dropped but the reality is who are you dropping him for I mean uh, Dwight Gale has been less than impressive, so sell him. And you know he's not a Premier League quality striker. And at least with Andy Carroll, you know when he's fit, he's going to be able to provide something. And Muto, it's still questions are out there. So go ahead, sell Gale, get a, another proven guy in. And he's 30. Come on, get rid of him. Um, You know what I was thinking? There's a player right now who is in playing mm-hmm. the Chinese Super League, and the season just ended. Oh. Uh, his name's Salomon Rondon. Never heard and of him. And he might be good. Oh, maybe we should loan him in. Yeah. That'd be wild I, I, if Newcastle loaned in Salomon Rondon. Sign me up. <laughs> scenes. Absolute yeah, scenes. For sure. Yeah. I'm just, you know, it's possible. Um, I mean, it is. It, it, yeah. I, <laughs> it would be. It would actually, honestly, cause more questions than answers. Like, <laughs> yeah. just like, <laughs> imagine if Gosh. we had Rondon to like teach Jolentino though, the ways. Yeah, they they both speak Spanish and English. Yeah, and maybe Rondon also speaks Portuguese, but I doubt it. You don't. You, you don't know. Yeah, I'm just assuming that Jolentino knows Spanish because. Uh, every Brazilian I've met, which is three, they all know Spanish as well. So yeah. I'm just assuming that they everyone knows Spanish in Brazil, as well as Portuguese and English. So, cool. Let's go to the BS meter. <laughs> I see that I wrote BD meter in our notes instead of BS meter. So. Oh yeah, that. I mean, good thing I'm not like uh, Anchorman and yeah. just read everything that I see. <laughs> also bd meter would be like a completely that's like we can do a bd meter for like <laughs> dubrovka's got is he's larger than he the bd meter right now BD he's got match. a bd <laughs> a huge d um so first up uh this is a rumor that kind of came out of nowhere um there is talks of newcastle being interested in odion agalo who is um a guy who has played well at Watford um, and in the past uh, well in the championship 
Wall in the Premier League in, in 2016 and 2015. Um, he was playing in China uh, earlier this year after Watford sold him, and he's apparently looking to come back to England, as you just mentioned out. Uh, as you just mentioned, the Chinese season is obviously now over, and those players uh, would be available. Um, so he scored 46 goals in 70 league spots. There's apparently the uh, the club is looking, the, the Chinese club are thinking, hey, you can loan this guy in. Um, it doesn't look like he's kind of, uh, he's going to get, he would be someone they you'd buy straight up. It'd be kind of a loan to buy situation. Um, but he's 31, has scored a ton of goals. Um, Newcastle, Watford, Everton, West Ham, Crystal Palace, as well as Southampton are all interested. BS meter for you, Greg. Uh... I've noticed a lot of these are, have become wild cards because I don't know what at all what we're going to do. Yeah, that's um, a that's a big. So one. because of that, I'm going to say there's a chance, and I yeah, would like to say his name. Like I would like to say Odiani Gallo. Yeah, that's a dope name. I would say there's a chance as well. It's an interesting one. Um, a loan to buy seems odd because he's 31, and that would go against the the Mike Ashley transfer policy. Then again, Mike Ashley might not own the club for long. Who knows? Uh, fingers crossed, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's also weird because if you're going to loan in a 31-year-old striker from the Chinese league, why not loan in the one who's already familiar with the system you're running? Yeah. That's just, you know, my my two cents there. And then the other one, BS Meter, not really Newcastle-related, but kind of Newcastle-related. Watford, of course, they just fired their manager, who they brought back after they fired their other manager, and turns out the manager that they previously fired sucks, and still does suck, and Watford still sucks. Um, so Watford are shopping for a new manager, hopefully one that could guide them to survival, and like rightfully so they've looked at two former Newcastle managers who have had to do the same thing prevent Newcastle from um getting relegated and they're two guys linked Chris Hewton and of course Fat Sam Allardyce who actually just recently talked about how um <laughs> this guy's a clown recently talked about how he would probably still have a job if he wasn't English um so yeah Fat Sam or Chris Hewton potentially Watford managers what are your thoughts on this, Greg? Do you think it's likely that we see either one of them return to the Premier League? Yeah, this season? yeah, it's extremely likely. Likely because as we've talked about multiple times, uh, and in sports in general, but especially English Premier League, they it's an incestuous relationship with managers. And it's just a cyclical thing where they just bring all these people who have been fired before back into jobs, and then they get <laughs> fired again. So, yeah, it's extremely, yeah. extremely likely, probably the most likely. Yeah, I mean, in some cases, it's like, there's only a couple cases where it's like, all right, this guy's been fired, and you bring him back in, and it's fine, like Rafa or Jose Mourinho. But more often than not, it's like, all right, we know that this guy is not a commander. Like when Crystal Palace hired Alan Pardew, and it's like, all right, come on. Like, yeah. we've seen Pardew at his best, and his best is getting you fifth and then immediately pissing that away the next season. So I don't know what more there else, what else more there is to, to gain from using this guy, but hey, to each their own, and I'm with you. I think Chris Hewton would probably be the one more likely because he's um, coached more recently. 
I'm also, I just hope Fat Sam doesn't get another job because I enjoy him complaining about the fact that he he just genuinely believes that like he doesn't have a job because he's not a foreign manager and it's just like, dude, you're just not a good manager. <laughs> that is why you don't have a job. So yeah, yeah. I think that's it for news. There we go. Let yeah, we have we have a busy show anyway, so let's get to um, our Manchester City recap, and we're going to do that after you listen to this lovely message. Okay, Newcastle two, Man City two. The champions still haven't beaten us in two tries, and man, it was a match. It was it was a glorious match. Probably one of the most enjoyable matches of the weekend. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think Newcastle were losing for a total of like 11 minutes in that match. And Newcastle never had a lead in that match. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Wild. Crazy. Um, First, one thing that we always do, and you always deliver, we ask you, the people, for three words to describe the match, and you did it. Um, so we'll, we'll just start with that. And first one, Trevor Mooney at Trevor Mooney 12. Brucey's still shite. Uh, Don. Yeah. Oh, great. Great name on the Twitter there, Don. At Smick Ultra. Well, what, what, what's his Twitter it's name? It's just not what it was before. <laughs> okay, but what is it now? It's you Don. have to, like, I don't know it's it. It's Don, so. pirate, emoji, rose, black flag. Okay. Oh, it's back to the OG. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Mig- Miggy hypnotizes me. Oh, that sounds like him that's, getting turned on. That's that's a song. And you just replace Biggie with Miggy. Oh, you get it? Biggie, 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 can't Biggie. You can't you yeah. see? Yeah, yeah. There okay. it is. All right. Don, I don't know if Smith Ultra did that. Or if I just came to that conclusion, but either way it worked. Jeff Cam at th- yeah. Jeff Cam Four says Miracle at Tyneside. Dude, he also and he also hit this again. He did six words, <laughs> Jeff. Jeff, we're gonna call him six word Jeff. Jeff, every time we do three words, can you just send six? Yeah. <laughs> that would actually be great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um from behind twice with a flex on him emoji. Kenny Wharton sits on the ball uh, at Noel Pecker. <laughs> says, beautiful, bald bastard. Wait, just back to Jeff Can. Jeff Can, just real quick. I'm so sorry that you're a Colorado fan. I just looked at his bio. Just, I'm sorry. That's unfortunate. But yeah, He's a continue. Colorado fan? He's like a Colorado Rapids fan. Oh, he is. Yeah, that's just, that's tough. You, you hate to see that. Mm. Just, mm. yeah. Um, I wonder if he's a part of Toon Army Denver. Maybe. Probably. Anyway. Brian Gardner at Brian Gardner 10. What just happened? James. Lee Drew. James Lowry <laughs> at JS Lowry 11. Still love Rafa. Mm. Phil at Flood 1210. Never stopped battling. Away the tune at Hoy the tune. Some consistency, please. So true. And Woody at Woody Simon nineteen eighty seven, Rafa beat these. All right. Yeah. 
Um, we'll start with our lineups. Elijah, is there anything that surprised you at all from this lineup? Well, Atletico Madrid's Javier yes. was in the lineup. Um, Atletico Madrid. Ironically, and I felt like this was going to happen because on Friday I was, you know, on another Espionation site, Stars and Stripe FC, and every weekend they they basically post about how, uh, um, like you know, what Americans to watch this weekend. I check it out just to see if there's anything to to look at, and of course they had Newcastle on there, and um, they basically said watch this because DeAndre Yedlin has seemed to cement his place back in the the Newcastle first team with three straight starts. He's obviously holding that position down. And that told me two things. One, they haven't been watching Newcastle. <laughs> and two, that DeAndre Yedlin wasn't going to start. So I was like, not that surprised because I was like, oh, they've got they've got the old media curse. You say one guy's doing well and he's going to start, then the exact opposite happens. And that did happen. Javier Minkio started. So um, that was a surprise. Um, any surprises for you? Um, yeah, I, I thought there was going to be some more changes, um, but, like, I, I guess in in this type of match, I I think that Mankio was probably, if you're not going to use Yedlin, Mankio was going to be a better option than, than Croft, just because oh, yeah. uh, Mankio is will actually run up and, and and do more on the attacking side than Kraft would. And, and we saw that. Um, but, like, I didn't, we didn't see Lejeune, no Muto. Um, Yedlin, well, it was a hip injury while he was out. Um, and Cher was only on the bench. So I, I thought that people, we would start to see a little bit more because people were getting healthier and... We just didn't see any real changes besides that. So that was my my thoughts. Um, and Shelby, and we made a big a big talk about this, but Shelby got the armband again. Yeah, I think he's going to be our captain for the rest of the season, and the Longstaff brothers will probably never see him again. Yeah, like that's, until that's this part Thursday. of the changes. I was like, oh, I think Cher might play. Lejeune could be called up. He's had plenty of time now. Um, we could see Longstaff guys in there but like so i was expecting a little bit of changes but we didn't we didn't see any of it yeah it's interesting and we'll get into that yeah later lineups and stuff but anyway so going to the match uh newcastle set up in their 5-4-1 out of possession we had 23 percent possession in the entire match uh um, that's really good yeah and and it just shows how much it doesn't matter Sometimes it's a stupid stat. We shouldn't even track yeah. it, honestly. Um, so it's Fernandez on the right of the, the three center backs. Mankio was the right wing back. Gucci Max left wing. Almiron white ring. Right wing. There we go. I said it. Um, and it was all city right from the beginning. Um, and then when we got our opportunities, we would push uh, the first chance for us came in the seventh minute uh, it was Hayden winning the ball and then Shelby just sent St. Gucci Max away down the right he cut inside and hit a right footed effort um, probably about 25 yards ish but it was an easy save that was the first that we really looked on it and then it was just 
absolute like just domination plus maybe a rare counterattack where they foul us or something and then the goal happened so it was a pretty easy one um, there was a little bit of luck into it as well but Silva played it to Sterling on the left hand side and Hayden made a good tackle but it ricocheted back to Sterling off of Silva, who and he just curled the ball nicely into the bottom corner, and it was one nothing City. Elijah, your thoughts? I mean, there was just so much space uh, to operate, and I mean that ultimately is what led to the goal. And it was a silly mistake, and it was one of the few mistakes that Newcastle's defense made the entire match. So there's not really much you can say there. Um, it felt like at some point a goal was going to come. Um, and it probably wasn't going to come from Newcastle. Kind of struggled to get an attack going. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> what can I say? I mean, it ended up working out, but, you know. Yeah. And then shortly after, it happened, Elijah. Oh, what The happened? first ever Premier League assist for Miguel Almiron. First ever goal contribution. Well... I'm not gonna. I would strongly argue that because he's con- on on the stat he's sheet. He's contributed to a few goals, um, and it's a great goal. And it was Jetro. He scores when he wants. The Dutch destroyer Willems. He cut inside from the right. He saw Almiron making a run into the area, and he feeds it to him. Almiron made a, a nice run before this too, and then took the ball back to bring to make sure more players have the time to get forward. Because, you know, when we're counterattacking, it's like if you're not going to score right away, then you might as well just hold on to it for a little bit longer, get more players up, and then take a chance. And that's what Almiron did, smartly. Mm. And he got it to Willems. Willems saw Almiron again and hit him, running into the box. And then Almiron feeds him just this, like, what? I don't even know what to call us. Like a flicked back pass? Is that what it was? And Willem has a ton of room got it got a touch on it picked a spot and smashed it into the bottom right corner newcastle's going nuts that was beautiful one-to-one elijah break it down for me i mean it's a good pass by Alan. like you said the the awareness of him to slow things down um and just also jetcha williams put it in the perfect spot and absolutely rocketed home and obviously i think we're all focused on how that make it got an assist but i think you have to also give jetro some some credit for it was a one two and he ran into the right space and created a little bit of space for himself after the pass and was able to to score and you have to credit him for that as well um i don't know it's just overall a a really nicely worked goal and obviously Getting the goal is great, and Newcastle defenders, again, uh, scoring for Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, and that that's a, that's such a great point. It just continues, and those player, the players know when to make runs. And there, there's actually something interesting, and we can talk more about this later in this podcast, but so what I learned is Steve Harper was playing a pretty significant role in the way we were lining up in the pitch. Did you hear anything about this at all? No. I, I heard that – I saw that he – there was something that – I saw an article titled like something about Steve Harper having a unique role, but I didn't 
I didn't actually read it. Yeah, so. so you know how everybody has the iPads now. All the coaches have the iPads. Even on, yeah. on the bench they do. Well, Steve Harper was sitting up, elevated in the box, in the press boxes, and he had a walkie-talkie talking to um, the assistant coach, one of the assistant coaches. I don't know who it was. And what he was doing is he was not only watching from above, but also watching the television coverage, which is a little delayed, and notating every single time that he noticed there was a, a hole in Newcastle's defense that Man City could exploit. And then that assistant coach, or Bruce, would then relay that information to the players within seconds. That's what Gee. that's what they were doing the whole time, which is brilliant. And they said every single time that Harper saw a hole that could have been exploited, he radioed down, and it was communicated immediately. Dang. I mean, so they had a whole system going, which I love. I think that's great. I love that too. Yeah. And I also shout out to Steve Bruce because – they, we said he didn't have tactics, and there you go. He cares. Yeah. He did something. And you saw it. I mean, it's the same formations, same type of things that Rafa did. Um, so, And I think Bruce is more and more starting to realize that after the Leicester thrashing that we had. He realized, and he said stuff that Rafa used to say, where it's like, you know, we don't have the luxury to play the way I just tried to play. <laughs> like, we just need to do it with how we know. And I think he's getting that now and the players know it so it was a good first half i think newcastle deserved to be level um did you, do you agree yeah i think it was one of those where if you look at the stats alone you'd say man city should be winning but if you watch the match you see this is newcastle were frustrating man city they were playing they, they basically had man city play right into their trap and forced them to try to break them down and they couldn't and um i think one thing of note that it just you can't go without saying this. I think that this match is a little bit different if Sergio Aguero's up top uh, rather than Gabriel Jesus. Um, Jesus missed a lot of chances um, to to bring Man City ahead um, and kind of you know in the match, especially as we'll get into when they went up. Um, there were some opportunities for him to to make it three one or also or also to get the second goal. He just couldn't. And I just think Aguero is a guy who, in that situation, finishes it. So there's there's some luck from Newcastle as well, where you don't have to deal with the likes of Sergio Aguero. But overall, it just seemed like Man City were frustrated and couldn't break Newcastle down. And Steve Bruce and Newcastle looked like they were confident. My only worry was, all right, I know Pep Guardiola is going to make adjustments out of the half. What is Steve Bruce going to do to counter that? Because so far this season... Steve Bruce has not really countered anything tactics-wise out, coming out of the half. Um, sometimes he has, but most often not. It's just the same old, same old. If it works, it's supposed to work. It's working. If it doesn't work, then we'll make sure we'll, we'll keep doing it until it does work, kind of kind of deal with Steve Bruce. So, yeah, it was, it was a good half, though. And, and the second half started, and it was the Federico Fernandez show. He was incredible. He made some great runs forward. Um, and you'll notice that we weren't playing the long ball in this game at all. It, the runs were bringing the ball up, getting it out to an outlet pass to one of the quick guys, and then off he went. But a lot of times people just took it on themselves, and Fernandez had some great runs. Um, and like you alluded to, Elijah, just a couple seconds ago, got some luck, got some great saves. Manchester City were obviously frustrating and then we made the striker sub. 
stolen tune for Dwight Gale. Uh, interesting one. Um, Gale didn't. I mean, he was a, he he played in the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it, you know it and Newcastle puts teams in this situation. If you can't put us away, you're gonna have like a very difficult time with us because. We're so fast, and as you tire down throughout the game, there's going to be a lot of fouls that you're going to make, and then it just comes down to the ref if he's going to call them or not. And I feel like there was a few times where Almiron was getting hacked, um, Gucci Max was getting hacked, and these calls weren't being made, which I understand why Newcastle were frustrated about that because, come on, like we're doing everything we can here. Every time we're getting absolutely like nudged and hacked at and it, it's insane, but um, those calls need to be made sometimes. That's just an aside. Um, then Gucci Max came off for Atsu, and shortly after, the Brun scored one of like the most insane goals. It was a ludicrously good strike, Chris Wolf said. Thoughts on the Brun's goal? He like, I guess I'll talk about it he controlled yeah, the ball off of his chest <laughs> um it was just outside the box and shelby was closing him down and he like half volleyed it rifled it and it went hit the bottom side of the crossbar and and in. it was insane like it was like it just shows how technically talented he is just fundamentally really good that's the goal two to one man two. yeah and it was one of those where as soon as it left his foot, you knew it was going in. Yeah. It was just, you just, there was nothing you could do. And if it didn't go in for some reason, it would have killed somebody in the crowd. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was, and it, like, Dubrovka got a hand to it, but, like, there was, there is nothing you could really do to, to stop that from going in. I mean, it was just, uh we don't need to talk about it because if you if you haven't seen it, just watch it. I I told some people who you know are Atlanta United fans, it's like, hey, just watch that Man City Newcastle highlights. Not just because of the Almiron assist that I knew that they were all interested in, but just like there were just like four really good goals, and Kevin De Bruyne might have scored the goal of the season. So yeah, but I disagree. It came just a no. few minutes later. Atu went to curl the free kick into the box, but no. No, he wasn't. Tricked everybody in the world. Played it to Shelby. And at, right at the edge of the area, Voldemort curled a deliciously enticing right-footed volley and went into the left-hand corner of the net. He sprints to celebrate the dugout. And an early stat for you, Elijah. John Joe Shelby's first Premier League goal. In St. James's Park. Yeah. Bam. Two to two. Just wild. And the fans go wild. Your thoughts on that play? Yeah, shout out to Martin Dubrovka, who was somehow the first player celebrating with Jojo <laughs> Shelby. That's a great Which shot. I, I've no idea how that happened. And there's no, there's no video footage. So if you have footage of Dubrovka sprinting from the... The opposite end of the field to celebrate with Shelby. Please send that. Um, this is a simple case of one. Shout out to Newcastle because 
I, I tweeted this, but it seemed like we we talked about this a lot last year. Newcastle had a lot of set piece opportunities, um, fouls one, and 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 they were not able to convert from these. But this season, we've just scored a ton of set piece goals, almost to a a a worry that like are we even able to score goals from open play anymore? Um, but is another brilliantly worked set piece goal, and an unsung hero here is is Christian Atsu because he has the awareness to recognize that everyone is in the box for Man City. Like, everyone is in the box because everyone's expecting him to whip in a ball. And he just sees that John Joe Shelby is literally by himself in acres of space, and he knows John Joe can hit those. He knows that John Joe, if given the opportunity, wants to hit those. He knows that earlier in the match, John Joe did try to score from a similar range um, on a set piece. And so... Christian Atsu has to be credited here because I think that's just great awareness by him and also by John Joe to, to know that there's going to be an open shot there. That's going to be your best chance is actually this long-range shot because no one's closing down on John Joe. Like, no one closed down, and that's the only reason that goal happens. And it it is one of the best goals you'll see all season. It might be the best goal you'll see from a Newcastle player this season. Um, so, yeah, just shout-out to John Joe. Um kind of salvaging himself from a somewhat lackluster match in terms of work ethic and defensively. I don't know if he was the best player um, on the pitch defensively, but, I mean, scoring the game-tying goal is going to always make up for that and earning us a point. That's that's great. So I'm, I'm definitely on board with you, but I, I don't think – I think this was a completely called play. I don't think it was an, uh, an at-two decision. I think this was like a deliberate play that they've worked on before. The way the players in the so box too. reacted, the way like Atu like when he hit the ball, he like he didn't like like it, it seemed like this is something they've done over and over again. Yes, I, I agree, but I also say like if you look at it like it's a called play, but there's still a level of awareness that has to be called because I mean if 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 even one person from Man City steps up, then that it's just like it's a moot set piece. Yeah. So it's like you still have to have some sort of awareness to be able to carry out, you know, make sure that this is this play is actually going to work. Because there there could be a situation where if Man City steps out last minute, has two guys, you know, outside or near the edge of the box. Then it's like, all right, well, then we kind of have to scrap the John Joe play, and Atsu's going to whip in the ball. Like, there still has to be a level of awareness. So I think, there, I think we we both kind of agree on that that point. Okay, yeah, yeah. And unless you want to fight, we can fight. That'd be fun. Yeah, we can we can try. Good for ratings. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's it. That that's how it ended. It ended two two. Um, we we just went back to bunkering again and. Uh, we're able to hang on, and it's a huge point for us. It's a deserved point for us, and I don't care what anyone says. And um, I'm 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 stoked, stoked about yeah. that in general. It's like we just it's insane that we played the way we did against Villa and then did this. It's insane. <laughs> it is insane, but just know that that is. Newcastle United in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we'll we'll get to some quotes. Well, do you have any other comments? 
Um, I mean, we can get into it with the the players later, but I mean, uh, I I mean, my only comments that I haven't mentioned already are just about individual players. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Brucey had made a good point in his quotes. He said, um, "It took them a wonder goal for all the possession they had. We produced a bit of magic ourselves too, but of course, we had to defend. And I think the players were magnificent in their work. They've got a good attitude. We've got that horrible one in us." We can be inconsistent. Today, they were manful in their work. They had to run a million miles against a quality team. I was delighted with their attitude. I think the whole crowd with Almiron, they sense it as much as he does. When he gets in front of goal, they're willing it in for him. Last January, Almiron lifted this club. He was terrific. I inherited him in the summer, and he's a great lad. Almiron was absolutely outstanding. And St. Maximin, the way we played is difficult for them because we're 50, 60 yards away from goal when they pick it up. I'm delighted for Miggy. He's got an assist. Great goal from Dretro. That's just a couple of quotes that Brucey said. Pep, I wanted to say some quotes from Pep because he is wrong. Um, he was right in some regards. Interesting. I'd like to hear those. Um, okay. He said... We played at a good level. It was not easy because they defended deep. We scored two goals, but we also led in two, which is disappointing. He's right there, I guess. Um, and uh, here we go. It's what we've lived the last four years. We found a way, and today we found it again. But unfortunately, at the end, we conceded a goal. There are teams who play higher or deeper. Not all teams play the same way. We play the same way as last season the way we played today was at that level. Um, then he said, oh, I can't find it now, but he said something about Newcastle playing with 10 men in the box, the whole game. And yeah, um, yeah, that was, and I was just like, what? Like <laughs> Newcastle, you were fouling us like crazy. Like every counterattack. like how, how could that have happened if we had 10 men in the box? Um, that's kind of what I was alluding to. Yeah, I mean, he's he's right about them sucking again. Like, it, it is a little bit concerning if you're Pep Guardiola that, like, your team can't break down teams, like, playing this kind of packed-in, low-block style of football. And it just, the teams that beat Man City in the lower half of the table, like, that's how they do it. Yeah. And I do think that that's the that's the only part of the presser I kind of really agree with is that, like I think he kind of admits again that that like, his team struggles against those types of styles, and it's one of those things where, hey man, maybe you should fix that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with players as creative as, as them, and how many dynamic game changing players they have. Like they're in t- like you could argue that. I mean, and and. I, sans the defense because you know losing Laporta Laporte Laporte um losing Laporte has been awful for them yep um but like sans their defense and shout out to people thought John Stones was better than Jamal Sells and he just looked awful like <laughs> he was not good yeah um that that's wild that he was called up to the English national team after seeing that um but it, it there's there's like every look you look at them from top to bottom attack midfield and like all of their guys would be the best player on I'd say ninety five ninety percent of the Premier League clubs 
That, like, if you took, do you take Kevin DeBron and you place him on any other Premier League team, he's the best player. Yeah. You take Raheem Sterling, I'd say you take Raheem Sterling on any Premier League team, even Liverpool, he's the best player. Like, it's just, it's like you have so many of those guys who are the best player at their position in the Premier League and the most dynamic players in the world, and you cannot figure out how to get past, you know, a team that sits in the box. Like, it, yeah, that that is an issue that you have to address, and I don't think Pep has ever addressed it. I think he's fine taking these losses, and for the first time in, in his career, I guess, it's actually hurting him because Liverpool are running away with this, and it seems like this might have been the dagger that could kill Man City. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think the league was lost for them. Uh, I don't I don't see how Liverpool can mess up that much, but we'll we'll see. There's still a lot of games well, to be played. It is still Liverpool, and they still could mess up, and it still is Pep Guardiola. So they're I don't know. Man City could pull some crazy run out of their ass. Yeah, so. they could. Um, and Jose Mourinho can make things interesting. Some stats for you: two games unbeaten in a row against Manchester City is. Oh. The first time we've done that since 2005. Um, and we're also unbeaten in our last six Premier League home matches. Two wins, four draws, which is the longest run since the 27-18 season, which we went seven from December to April. Um, second goal of the season for Jetro. And John Joe now leads the lead, leads the team in goals. Um Yes, oh. that's his fifth goal for Newcastle United, and three of them are this season. Um, nice. Just two I w- players. I wonder how many of those goals are set piece goals. I I feel like oh yeah, they, they've almost all been set piece goals. Yeah, yeah. The um the most goals John Joe I know has scored in the Premier League season is six. Uh, he's at three right now. Oh, so I, I would say he's on pace. Um. Just two of the side that started in our two to one win over Manchester Manchester City retained their place today. Do you know those two players? It's just starting. Okay. Just starting. Not involved. Just starting? Yeah. Um uh, so I'll give away a couple uh Christian Atsu started, oh. but he came off the bench in that match. No, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm going to say Isaac Hayden and Paul Dummett. Oh, oh, you got Martin Dubrovka. Yeah, you got yeah. Uh, which one? Which one? Are I got you? Isaac Hayden. Yeah, you got Isaac Hayden and Doobie. Yeah. Yep. Um, I didn't even. Think, I, I literally said I I said Paul Dummett. I was like, no, it's it's definitely Martin yeah. Dubrovka. You can pretty much count the answer is always going to be Dubrovka for the last three three years of who was there. Um, for five thirty eight, predicting how Newcastle will do by the end of the year we didn't move we stayed in 17th one point clear of relegation in 538's eyes finishing with the same amount of points same goal difference everything 41 points um so still safe they're still saying it's going to be a close call between us and southampton um all right do you have any stats oh yes you do you sent me one i did send you one i do you want to say it that i sent you one no, I, I forgot that I sent you one. Okay, well, I'll say it then, because I have it right here. Um, eight of Newcastle's 13 Premier League goals this season have been scored by defenders. The biggest 
percentage in the entire competition. Bam. Good for us. Yeah. Um, and congrats to John Zero for leading the, league, leading the team in goals. So, going to the Premier League table, Newcastle is not in the relegation zone still. I know at the beginning of the year it was hard to hard to convince anyone that we wouldn't be, but we're in 14th. We're on 16 points through 14 matches, four wins, four draws, four, six losses, and a minus nine goal difference. There's three teams that have, including us, that have 16 points. It's Burnmouth, West Ham, and us, but we have the worst of the goal difference. Um, we are three points away from seventh, and we're four points from fifth. Um, on the backside, we're four points from Southampton in the relegation. So four points from relegation or Europe. <laughs> That's where we're at. Oh. Um, okay, Elijah. Let's uh, let's get your best and worst players. For let's start yeah. with the worst players. Yeah. Let's do it. Um. Yeah, this was it was interesting. Uh, it's. I mean, this is a tough match to choose a worst player for, um, as many good Newcastle performances are. But I do think that there were some players that, not players, but I think there was, I don't know, I'd say there was a couple players that I would say weren't, I don't think they were as well as good as everyone else. Um, I think there were moments where I thought John Joe struggled defensively, and I mentioned this earlier. But obviously... Him scoring the goal kind of hides those mistakes, but overall, I felt that there were times where it felt like the full team was was pressing and really getting at it, and he wasn't pressing. Or you know, there were times where I saw him make some mistakes defensively. Um, I think that Paul Dummett actually had some moments as well where it seemed like Kieran Clark or Federico Fernandez were having to clean up his his error um, with defending. So I think I mean I wouldn't say they were the worst players because I think overall everyone did well. But it is worth mentioning that they weren't perfect. Yeah, um, I think everybody had at least a pretty decent day. So, yeah, even Joel Linton, which you want to get into that, the Joel Linton controversy. Yeah. Um, this is another match where Joel Linton fans on Twitter turned on him. Um, and whether or not you think it's deserved, there are some moments where... I have to admit, Jolinton should have scored. There was a couple chances he had that were wide open. But then again, we brought this up on our last pod, our review pod. If a striker's only given four chances, and this was the perfect game to demonstrate that. Because Gabriel Jesus is regarded, I think right now, if you're saying, if you're giving me the option of having Gabriel Jesus or Jolinton as my Premier League striker, I'm taking Gabriel Jesus. Am I wrong in that in saying that, Greg? Uh, no. Okay. Gabriel Jesus had five shots. Five shots and zero goals. Three of his shots were on target. Joel Linton (laughs) technically had one shot. So it's like, I I get that that there's a... Joel Joel Linton is... Not worth the 40 million pounds, but Gabriel Jesus is a player that when he is sold, if he's ever sold, is going to get sold for double that value 
And you saw him, he had opportunities to score and he couldn't score. And it's like, I, I get that people are frustrated and they want goals and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, Joel Linton did what he was asked to do. There was a, a I think he low-key had a, a very solid game with his hold-up play. But, I, I don't know, are you concerned that 40 million pounds is 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 over is was overpaying for a player that you know hasn't really produced in regards to to goals or is it just or do you blame it on tactics and steve bruce or just or or i don't know what, what are your thoughts i, I mean we were wor- there, there was reporters and and supporters that were warning us of going to that they he, were. he's just super inconsistent and super young and uh, the Bundesliga is a good league, but it's it's way different from the Prem. Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm who knows what he can he he's still learning and he can still develop into something. So, um, I'm not losing hope. I mean, it'd be one thing if we're if Dwight Gale came in and scored a goal, or if when we've subbed Andy Carroll in, they've scored like any of those guys, or even if. St. Gucci Max or Almiron were banging in goals left to right, and Jolinton wasn't. But, like, he has more goals than Dwight Gale, Andy Carroll, Miguel Almiron, St. Gucci Max combined. Yeah. One to zero. And also, so it's like yeah, it's, I, none of yeah. them are scoring. So it's like, what am I going to compare it to? Because nobody's getting the ball in the back of the net. And, and last thing on this, and I'm by no regards a Jolinton, like, like, I don't know. I wouldn't. I mean, I support all of our players, but I'm not an apologist. I would say, but I will say this: I have noticed that he is he is improving, um, given the circumstance. I think in order, if if C. Bruce is going to copy Rafa's system to a T, and, and he hasn't, and we kind of touched on this earlier, there's a little bit difference, um, but for the most part, there are a lot of similarities, and one of the similarities is that you need a striker that holds up the ball well, and Joel Linton is he has the ability to do that, but he was playing a completely different role in the Bundesliga. He was playing more as a, I, I wouldn't say a number 10, but maybe more as a false nine, where he's playing more with the ball to his feet. So that adjustment took time. And I think the past couple of matches, will disregard the Aston Villa match because I don't think anyone in Newcastle looked great in that match. He's gotten better at holding the ball up and creating um, opportunities for other guys like St. Maxman or Almiron to operate in space. And I think that is a positive, and I think the goals will come soon. Let's not forget that we said the same thing about Salman Rondon last season about his lack of ability to score. Well, not lack of ability, but you know, his lack of goals early on in the season, and he turned out to, to get 10 goals. So I wouldn't be too concerned right now, especially because I'm noticing improvement. But if we were seeing the same old thing happening over and over again of him not being able to hold up the ball or him constantly giving the ball away or him just like not looking like he belonged, then I would be concerned. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, who's your best player? Oh, man, this was tough. Um, there was a lot of people given – there's two guys I think deserve it above anyone else. Um I'll say one, and then if you have someone different, then um, if you don't have the guy, the other guy I'm going to say, then, you know, I'll say that person. But <laughs> Martin Dubravka literally kept this in this game. Uh, Newcastle don't walk away with um, any points if Martin Dubravka doesn't make some of the saves he makes because he is literally unreal. And I don't know, embrace debate. I think he is the best signing of this decade. 
for Newcastle. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's not really that hot of a take if you think about just watching him. And, yes, there's a little bit of recency bias. But if you look at just, like, how crucial he has been to keeping Newcastle in matches, um, he is the diff- he's the difference in a lot of ways between relegation and, you know, staying in Premier League because he keeps games like this, games you need to keep the goal differential low, he keeps us in those matches and, you know, gives us opportunities to pull off upsets like this. And this was the perfect example of that. He had so many amazing saves. I mean, I know Gabriel Jesus, I picked on him for not having any goals despite having five shots, but three of those shots were on target and two of them were saved So by Dubrovka. So it's, you know, there's a little bit of, yeah, their strikers had opportunities to score and couldn't, but the reason they couldn't score was because Martin Dubrovka was unreal. Yeah. So that, that's I think he's he's one of my best players. What about you? Do you have anyone else? Yeah. Um. It like my my player is Federico Fernandez. Oh yeah, that was the other guy. Um. Yeah. He was out. He was out of this world, and you need. You need somebody to step up in that position when we're playing the style that we're playing. And I mentioned this a little bit. Uh, that Bruce used Rafa's tactics, but the one thing that he didn't use is the long ball side of this. Like yeah. when we played Man City, we were hitting long balls. So Fernandez would pick up the ball and just boot it. But uh, this year, Federico, or this match, Fernandez and a lot of other players too, uh, Jetro, fantastic. Um, Karen Clark, Paul Dummett, they all, all did a fine job at this, but Federico noticeably better um, than the other two center backs was that he was able to control the ball and, and push up and allow when, – when a player takes that and goes on like a pretty awesome run, that allows St. Gucci Max and Almiron to get right on the shoulders of the defenders when everybody was just forward and – uh, he can make that pass then. Um, it really provides a different level of a counterattack, and Federico did such a good do- job defensively, made some great stops against guys that are just like way more well-known and paid more than him, and on the on the attack, he significantly helped. He was all over the, the pitch. Uh, he was on the ball more than any other player for Newcastle, and he just really showed up. So, shouts to him. He had that one insane run. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about, where I'm pretty sure he played in Amaron, um, and we didn't score, but it was just, he, he like, literally took the ball from, like, the, like, yeah. the, literally the fence and ran all the way up. And, like, I thought he, like, the even though I know the American broadcast, I know there's some discrepancy. I don't know if the if we had the same broadcast or as the British broadcast, but I know the American broadcast on NBC they were like, I mean, honestly, he should have just had a shot and just taken a shot because it was like him one v one v one with the, a defender and then the keeper, and it, like he could have had a shot and scored and had a share esque goal. But yeah, I agree, he was just outstanding um, and easily was was our best defender of that match. Um, made some crucial clearances as clearances and blocks and all that kind of stuff, um, and of course, like you said just really great on the ball um, and really kind of displayed uh, the reason why we brought him into this club and the reason why he was such a mainstay in the Premier League before he got to Newcastle. So uh, shout out to Fetty Fernandez, another great Rafa Minitez signing. Yeah, another one. 
Um, so let's let's move on to the next one. We'll we'll take a little break and we'll we'll preview Sheffield. Let's get right yeah. into this. Uh, we'll do this right after the break. Bam. Thursday. Sevis Regal. Sevis Regal. That, <laughs> that's who we just heard from. Probably. <laughs> Someone actually, if you're listening to this right now. Um, and tweeting, tweet at tweet at us right now. Like, was this a Shivas Regal commercial you just heard? If it was, please let us know. Thank you. We could just management know that. We could, yeah, I guess. But y'all could too. Um, Sheffield United is in the Premier League and doing pretty well at it. <laughs> oh, they are killing it. Yeah. Uh, so we are facing up against them. We are going to Mighty Sheffield um, on Thursday. And if you're listening to this, it's in two days or one day or the day of. Congrats, it's match day if you're that listener. Um, let's let's dive into this. Um, lineups and injuries. You want to just? Are we just going to go at this? Yeah, um, I mean, there's... So, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go oh, ahead. But I, I don't know why I thought I would do injuries, but I, that's your job, so... That's fine, if if you'd like nope. to. Nope. Nope. You, it's all you. <laughs> okay. Um. So, it's pretty short list for Sheffield. No one is injured. <laughs> oh. Um, hence, part of the reason why they're probably doing so well. Um, on Newcastle side... Lascelles and Richie are out. Who knows with Lejeune? Who knows with Yedlin? And also, it seems Alan St. Maximal may be uh, a little beat up. But um, I would expect him to play. Elijah, what is your expectations for this starting lineup that we're about to announce? I actually, I don't know. This should be interesting. So um, if you've been paying attention to the news... Uh, Steve Bruce actually hinted at the fact that he's going to have to start rotating at some point. Um, and I think that this might be a match to rotate with. Um, Newcastle are kind of comfortably mid-table. Sheffield Wednesday are a team who, on paper, Newcastle should be better than. But in real life, Sheffield just are very good. And I don't know. I wouldn't say it's a... I, don't, I wouldn't call it a calculated loss, but I wouldn't... I wouldn't be surprised Newcastle lost. I wouldn't be surprised Newcastle drew, and I wouldn't be surprised Newcastle won, if you get what I'm putting out there. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. It just seems like they're a team that's kind of overperforming, and, um, but them they, they their overperforming could end here or it could end in three weeks, or I don't know. Um, so I think this could be a match where we see Newcastle rotate a little bit, and I think maybe you introduce Fabian Share back into the lineup, maybe introduce Florian Lejeune back into the lineup, and I think that could happen. So um, I would go with a lineup of probably Kieran Clark, F- Florian Lejeune, and Fabian Share. Um, I mean, as much as I'd love Federico Fernandez to get in, um, which I do think is possible. I, I think if... Cheryl Lejeune are not playing. Like, if if you only get one of the two, then I think Fernandez is a natural replacement. But you still need a center back similar to Jamal LaSalle's who is not really going to attack. And you have to have Kieran Clark in that role um, because he's just going to defend and, and kind of organize defense and play that middle center back role as well. It's middle center back role well. Um, 
I'd imagine Javi Mankio starts just because, um, like you mentioned earlier, DeAndre Yedlin um, dealing with a little bit of an uh, of a knock. Um, Emil Kraft, I, I don't really know if he's cutting it. I mean, again, Steve Bruce said he could rotate. Wouldn't be surprised if Kraft gets a start, but um, there's no reason not to start Mankio. He's fresh. Um, he, you know, he's not. He's he's playing well, um, somewhat. Midfield is where it gets interesting for me. Um, I, I do think Chetra Williams is going to start just because we don't have any other left backs on the roster. Um, healthy, at least. Uh, I mean, you could see a weird Mankio craft lineup maybe, but I, I think Chetra is going to start, especially considering Matt Ritchie is still injured and has faced another setback. Um, but midfield is where I think we could see some changes. I think maybe um, a long staff enters the fray. I don't know for who um i think naturally uh if you're rotating and if steve bruce is hinting at actually rotating you would sit john joe for one of the long staffs um and have hayden step in or just replace them both and do a long staff long staff midfield um but i i just think one of the long staffs will play probably sean um and i think it'll be a sean long staff isaac hayden midfield um and then up front up up top I think that we'll see either Gale or Muto start up top. I don't know. I, I, I think Atsu's going to come in for one of Sam Maxman or Miguel Amron. Again, I could be wrong, but um, Greg and I were talking before this pod, and we've got just a couple just short weeks, really, um, before we enter you know the, the bulk of December and then get into FA Cup play and just – you have to start rotating, and Newcastle, fortunately enough, Newcastle do have the depth at center back and in their defense to rotate, and somewhat in their midfield, so I think that it just makes sense for Steve Bruce to rotate, especially because he's terrible at making substitutions. So I, I see us pulling out a, re- a relatively rotated side. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to call, well, I was kind of thinking this would happen against Man City, and I've already talked about that, but um, I... I would agree that it's going to happen sometime really soon so i would expect it now only a few days after we drew man city so um i'm with you i would like it definitely want to see old shawnee boy back in there if i can um but yeah let's get into uh what what do we need to do to win this match oh yeah i mean this is a tough one because um to be fair, I haven't really seen like how Sheffield plays this season. I just keep seeing them. Like I- I've noticed it. I'll see. An- I'll be in a bar and I'll see Sheffield tied up in match. I just don't see how they score goals. So I mean, I think Newcastle as a whole just need to stay disciplined and consistent. I mean, one of our our three words guys said it the the best is I mean. Consistency is the biggest thing with Newcastle right now. We've seen multiple times this season where Newcastle will have a good match and then two bad matches or a good match and a bad match. And it's just like have a, 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 a little bit of consistency and, and kind of have a solid defense. Um, play to your strengths on the counterattack. Um, use the speed of Miguel Amiron. Use the technical ability of Alan St. Maxman. Or if you have um, Christian Atsu, use his ability to almost score and create some goals. I think... That discipline has to be there, and you know, just playing the way you did against Man City should yield you at a minimum a draw against Sheffield, and I think that's what Newcastle has to do. Yeah, um, I, I would really like us just to do the same thing. Yeah, 
just do the same thing. Just bunker in. If Man City needed wonder goals to score against us, then do you think Sheffield United is going to be able to score those? Like, play with the same amount of focus, play the same way, and we're probably going to get more on the counter too. Um, I, like, that's the way we should be playing every match. Like, we should – our goal – like the players should have to run sprints if they have more than twenty five percent possession. <laughs> okay, that's like, a bit much. Just like quick counterattacking score and then defend. Are you not a fan of liquid football? No. You, oh, okay. I don't. I don't you want it, that pretty. Quick. I don't want it to be liquid at all. Okay. I want Never it to be clunky it. and dangerous. Okay. Well. Mm-hmm. I guess you got that. You got it, fam. <laughs> um, what about some? Well, I'll, I'll start with some Sheffield United players. There's there's one, and he is the one for me that we really gotta look out for. It's Lise Musset. He is uh, he has five goals on the year. He's a kid. Well, he's the same age as Jolinton. <laughs> he has five goals. Um, and he's just doing really well. I think three assists also. Like he's he's the guy that when he he when he when Sheffield is scoring, he's usually the guy there doing something with it. Um, and I don't know if his name's Mousset or Mousset. I think it's Mousset because he, he is French, but um, he's good. And. He's the one that's that's probably going to cause us most problems, especially if we do go into this weird Bruce, oh, yeah, let's go out and play attacking fluid football, and then we lose 3-0 to Sheffield United and lose, these say, has a hat trick. So um, that's that's the player to look out for me. Yeah, um, for me, it's two players, and they're both in the midfield, um, both relatively hot right now. Norwood and, and Fleck. both have – huh? Norwood and Fleck? Just guessing. Um, no. no, I was actually oh. going to go Norwood and Lundstrom. Okay. Um, Fleck's a good shot as well. But, I mean, that midfield is it, – it's a solid midfield trio they've got there um, alongside their kind of wing back slash midfielders on the, on, on, on the, uh, on the outside. But um, Lundstrom, he had a couple, go- couple games ago, he had a, a brace. He's had a couple assists. <laughs> And then, but Oliver Norwood, if you look at statistically, if you're in analytics, like he has analytically been their best player this season, just on a ton of regards. He doesn't make many mistakes. He's their captain. He's 28 years old, a veteran, really leads the line well. But I mean, solid tackling, solid transitioning um, the team from um, defense to offense, just just an all-around class player. And honestly, a little bit of a shocking um key player for Sheffield. I just, you know, sometimes you don't think guys can make the transition uh, from the championship to the Premier League, and he does. So uh, Oliver Norwood's really the big guy, but Lundstrom's kind of been on a, a little bit of a hot streak. Not the best match against Wolves, but before that, he was just playing the full 90, providing service, creating a lot of chances, and just been one of the guys that um, – has been a big contributor for Sheffield. So, yeah. 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 Cool. Great. Grand. Wonderful. Stats. This is the game in the Premier League. That's my first stat. The next stat, it's Newcastle's first 
match against Sheffield United this decade. Wow. Yep, it's a rare one. Um, so I don't really have much stats between the two teams. It's a lot harder to find after you leave 10 years from now in the stat world. But um, the last time that we did was 2009, 2010. We beat them 1-0 with an own goal. Oh. And then in 06... Both the Femi Martins and Steven Taylor scored in a 2-1 win. There you go. That's my stats. All right. Love to see that. <laughs> Moving on. Um, going back to the Premier League table, we covered it a little bit earlier where Newcastle was sitting in 14th place. Sheffield United is in 7th. They have three more points than us. They're in a plus-four goal difference. Um, so a win could – won't – make us jump them just due to goal difference, but at least level on points with them. Um, they're level on points with Arsenal right now and only one point behind Wolves and Spurs. Um, and they lead on goal difference from them. So they would be in a Euro- European spot with one point and assuming Wolves and Spurs don't get any points. So, um, Elijah, let's dive into predictions. Okay. Sounds um, good. I'll go first. Um, and you said it. Inconsistency has been a huge issue with Newcastle United. So the question kind of goes down to can we become consistent or not? My answer is no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think... like the perfect match to lose. <laughs> yeah. I, after, you know, we've done this so many times where we've done well, and played a less enticing team the following match, and it'd be an absolute clunker. And we'll come on this podcast to preview that match, and we'll predict a win, both of us, just like we did against Villa, after two massive wins going into the break. And we both say, oh yeah, we should win this game. This should be our third win in a row, and then we'll be feeling confident playing Man City, and we played miserable. Well, now we just drew Man City, played great, and we're going at this team, Sheffield, the Blades. And we're like, player to player, we should be better than this team. They play hard. But most people, old Greg and Elijah, are going to say, yeah, we should go in here, we should win this. It's not that far of travel. Um, It is a shorter bit of rest, but they have the same amount. And if we play the same style, we should win. But we're not. We're going to lose one nothing. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw with Miguel Amiron mm. scoring. Uh, yes. Their last three – no, their last – five of the last seven. So, so, Oh, that's a stat. Jeez, come on, Greg. Uh, of their last seven Premier League matches, they're unbeat, but five of them have been draws. So they definitely love a good draw. They're in for it. That's interesting. Yeah. That actually makes me feel a lot better about my prediction. Yeah. Um, I'm here to help. So 1-1 one, one draw with Miggy, the goal scorer. So his first Premier League goal will be against Sheffield United. You heard it here first. Now here's uh, 538 predict- prediction. 
they said Sheffield United with a 49% chance to beat us. Pretty high. That's, um, that's a bit. That's a bit much. 24% chance Newcastle wins and 27% chance it's a draw. So they're saying bet high on Sheffield to win. The biggest uh, I I agree with that. The biggest percentage is Chelsea 76% chance they beat Villa. Also huh? tied with Liverpool beating Everton. Shout out to Liverpool and Everton drawing each other in the FA Cup as well. Yeah. That happened. So. When? Yeah. Today. They didn't play in the FA Cup today. No, they drew each other in the FA Cup. Oh, oh, oh. In the draw. <laughs> like, not literally. Like, oh, played I was each like, other. wait, when? Like, no, last they, year? I mean, they played each other like January 13th. Right? Okay. But no, they drew each other. Today. Okay, got it. It's a Merseyside Derby. Yeah, that's actually kind of cool. I'm glad. Because I was like, oh, we'll probably draw Liverpool and we'll be out in the third round. So. But we didn't. No. <laughs> Liverpool drew Everton and they'll go on to win How the FA I Cup. I would love a world where. <laughs> Newcastle travels to Boston United. Six tier Boston United. I would love that. And then we lose. No, don't say it. Because I, I want our fans to show up for that one. And there's probably no seats for the supporters, but I want them to show up. Just yeah. Like 10,000. I mean, they're stated seats like 1,500. I mean, it's, it's possible. But just be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, true. Because like I the just grass isn't I always just, greener. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like you're bound for disappointment here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this has been a longer one. So Elijah, you did say you had a question. Yeah, I don't. I kind of alluded to it earlier. Who is your signing of the decade? I mean, I kind of made mine clear. Martin Dubravka. I think you've given a lot of good shouts to different Rafa signings. I know you said Genie Wijnaldum was like probably one of the best players to play at Newcastle in the past few years. I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, the 2019 is almost over, um, which is wild. Yeah. Um, and we're about to enter a new decade, 2020. And so a lot of people are doing their teams of the decade. So let's do signings of the decade. Hmm. Signings of the decade. I'm going to say... It's got to be Hasselu, no? I mean, yeah, <laughs> obviously. Um, um, I mean, Dubrovka is probably the choice. But in... All right, no, Fabian Cher. Let's go. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Um, yeah, I think he's been Three mil. a great defender. And, and like, I, I jokingly said this to Merz in our Slack earlier... Because um, I don't know if you guys know this. I'm sure everyone who's listening to this knows this. Messi won his sixth Balloon d'Or. And Virgil van Dijk was a key player in that. And, I mean, Merz was very much in the Virgil van Dijk should win the Balloon d'Or camp. And I still, like, and I will hold this to a T. Like, I will debate anyone on this. Fabian Scher is just as good as, as Virgil van Dijk in so many different ways. And I'm not saying Virgil van Dijk is a bad player by any means, but I think Fabian Scherer is one of the most underrated players in the Premier League. Yeah. Just overall. I mean, Dubrovka is, is in that boat as well, just due to the fact that there's a lot of 
good keepers and the team he's on, you know, we don't win a ton. Um, but I think if you put Fabian Cher on Everton or you put Fabian Cher on Tottenham or you put Fabian Cher on Liverpool or Fabian Cher on Manchester United, like everyone's talking about how great this guy is. I mean, this guy is a, a player who has played so many matches for the Swiss national team, a very good national team, and has come to Newcastle and has scored two, like literally two of the best goals in of the decade. And, and then, addition, in addition to that, is just an all-around great defender, great passer. And I, and I think you're right, Greg. I mean, he is definitely in contention for signing of the decade. He just for the cost player. alone and what yeah, he's come to. Cost yeah. alone as well. I mean, that's the other thing is he was bought for so so little. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I just think. If you look at them, if you compare Virgil van Dijk and Fabian Scherer's players, solid defensively, a threat going forward, threat on set pieces, I mean, it, it's really hard to see that big of a difference between them. And maybe I sound like a lunatic for saying this, but I, I just, I I think that Fabian Scherer is as good as Virgil van Dijk. You're not a lunatic. We all know this. Okay. Um, I think we know this, but if you said that to a Liverpool fan, they would, they would like freak out yeah but it's good because we can't understand what they're saying so like we wouldn't really know what they're saying so it's fine that's that is true yeah it is all right you got anything else uh no let's do it thank you so much everyone for listening let's let's get another three points even though we're a little less optimistic but let's do it uh that concludes episode 99 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. That is the best damn coast in the land, Elijah Newsom. And you are listening to the greatest song ever written, Coming Home Newcastle, Away the Lads. Looking at the old time bridge, I'm coming home, Newcastle. I may as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll pray the dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody And to live in Jody land Some people think we're bawdy And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I've walked the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Jody heroes, there's so many famous names like Linda Spawn in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home. Newcastle, if you never win the cup again, I'll pray 
Give the dog a St. James's Park Give the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London way I've walked the streets all day I'll wait for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail Walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog in St. James's Park At the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home